Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Careers Advice Podcast, bringing you insights into the world of work. In this series, I'll be talking to experts to give you practical tips and advice on careers. I'm your host, John Beasley from Hayes, the world's largest specialist recruiter. As organizations place greater importance on sustainability and the practices that come with it, there are more and more opportunities for candidates to carve out a career in this field. Whether you're an experienced specialist or even someone looking to transition into the sector, companies are on the lookout for passionate people. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Hayes' very own Fiona Place, who is head of sustainability in the global team. Over the past 14 years, Fiona has advised a range of organisations on sustainability, from those in the private and public sectors to NGOs. She now works at Hayes on our Net Zero Journey and ESG. Fiona, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for inviting me, John. So could you tell us a little bit about what your current role at Hayes involves and, and, and what brought you here? Absolutely. I joined Hayes actually just back in March, as you say, as the Global Head of Sustainability. Effectively, that means that I look at setting the strategy for the group to define the actions that we undertake on environment, social and governance factors as they relate to sustainability and how we communicate our progress. It's been a bit of a winding journey to get to this point. I started in the field really around about 20 years ago, initially working in the emerging field of what was then ecotourism and early stage corporate responsibility programmes. So effectively providing individuals with the opportunity to contribute to humanitarian and conservation projects through the projects that businesses were funding. That actually sparked my curiosity in the field of sustainability. And I read for a master's at Exeter University graduating in 2008. So whether it was unfortunate or fortunate, it coincided with the Lehman Brothers crash, financial crash. I'd say it was fairly timely because it generated a massive increase in the number of companies looking to understand the risks posed by various environmental, social and geopolitical externalities to their business. And that means basically their own operations, but also the supply chains on which they depend for goods and services. So at that point, I joined a risk advisory firm, V-Risk Maplecroft, uh, where I had the uh, opportunity to set up the risk analytics team And then as a result of the engagement with a rapidly growing client base, moved into leading the client relationship management team. I spent about uh, just over four years in that role and I was sort of eager to get my hands dirty again and and start problem solving again for for clients. So I joined another startup and thesis group. There are about 30 of us to start with. There's now some 800 plus employees um, and growing by the day. That gave me a lot of experience of working across multiple touch points, everything from kind of carbon management to responsible procurement and latterly the emerging field of ESG. Um, I also got exposed to a range of different companies, different clients and also a lot of colleagues within the business with different technical backgrounds and also business experience. This led me really to uh, then explore working a little bit more in the human rights field with Elevate, 
Limited and also with the Capitals Coalition, an organisation working to encourage businesses, institutions, financial institutions and the government to include a perspective on the value of natural capital as well as social and human capital in their decision making. So I've had a very sort of broad range of experiences. I definitely say that I'm more of a kind of sustainability generalist, but that has its advantages in joining a company like Hayes. And uh, that came about through Paul Gosling, um, who's now the lead for the newly created sustainability specialism. We've remained contact on and off for over seven years, uh, following my initial placement with Anthesis. And as soon as this role um, became available, we uh, engaged in a conversation. Fantastic. And generally, would you, you know, would you say it's, it's fair to say that your, you know, career is a typical example of a career in sustainability, if there is such a thing, of course? <laughs> A very good question. I'd say that, you know, it's, it's a very rapidly evolving field. It changes literally from month to month. And as a consequence, many of my peers in the industry have joined it from many different directions. In fact, you're unlikely to meet any two individuals who pursued the same career trajectory. Mine is fairly heavily influenced by working in the advisory sector. But I know uh, a number of individuals who've effectively had to adopt the sustainability mantle as an extension of their day role. I think we only have to look at uh, Karen Young within Hayes in the UK as a, as a great example, who uh, is working on sustainability as an extension of her uh, formal role. In fact, I was also speaking to someone who works in venture capital uh, just over a couple of weeks ago, and her story is a really interesting one. She originally entered as a graduate, recent graduate, into a communications consultancy where effectively they started working on some sustainability reporting uh, for a company, which led to her actually then moving into a role raising investment for solar energy. She didn't feel, however, that the organisation was a good cultural fit. So she actually joined what is known as Octopus Ventures in a sales role while she was actually reading for a law degree, thinking that she might actually move into human rights, uh, given the little bit of exposure that she'd had to sustainability in that communications role. She actually met the co-CEO of Octopus Ventures, who observing her interest in sustainability and her clear willingness to an, an, an appetite for continuous learning, asked whether she wanted to look at integrating ESG into early stage companies as part of their wider investment remit um, and commitment to developing responsible companies. Um, and she basically sort of has jumped at the chance. You know, a lot of it has been about learning on the job, but actually she articulated to me that really that's been that's been very good because actually with the limited knowledge that she has, it's enabled her to think more creatively about the way in which she uh, develops their approach to ESG. And I just thought that was a really great illustration of one of the possible routes into sustainability. You know, she didn't actually intentionally approach it as a, as a career choice. But I think what we're seeing is more and more individuals moving into the field um, by sort of sidestepping from uh, their day roles and then picking up and, and running with the opportunity. 
Great. And it's it's clear that, you know, there's lots of elements to to sustainability, you know, and it, it is it is something that's evolving all the time. Just just so we're clear for our listeners, could you give a bit of a, an overview by what we mean by sustainability? Yeah, so the the formal definition is that uh, sustainable development is development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And that comes from the Brundtland report back in 1987. More often than not, actually, sustainability is applied as an umbrella term of doing good. But we also see this emerging term ESG. And that's a bit more specific because it stands for environmental, social and governance. In practice, it sets specific criteria to evaluate how far companies are on sustainability, originally with a view to integrating these considerations into the investment process, but now really seen as a bellwether for the overall performance on ESG. And it's really designed to help businesses identify what are the most significant ESG issues for a business, i.e. those likely to impact shareholder value and long-term sustainability of the business itself. Um, So ESG is now being seen as synonymous with sustainability and is a strong sort of indication of how the terms relating to this field are evolving. But I think we should be mindful to not forget what is at the core of sustainability and not to dilute or lose that term. I think also practically speaking, you know, as a candidate, that means that you'll be looking to understand what sort of employee you're going to be working for or the type of employee you want to work for and the nature of the company's commitments on sustainability. So does it have a social and environmental conscience? Can they demonstrate that they're a fair and inclusive employer that represents and champions a diverse cross-section of society? Does the business understand how the climate will impact its future operations? And is it responding according to meet those needs of the market as well as uh, as the employees? Great. Thanks, Fiona. And, you know, you, you gave a couple of great examples of, you know, uh, how people have built uh, careers in the field, including yourself. And, and looking at, you know, turning back to careers in, in the sector, what, what type of companies or what sort of roles and what sort of people, you know, work in sustainability, just to, to to give us a better idea? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, I just want to say to everyone, you know, this is not about roles that are limited to FTSE 100, 250, 350 companies or Fortune 500, nor is it limited to specialist activities within individual companies. Sustainability is a global issue. It affects everyone and therefore extends to all sectors and all types and sizes of organisation, including both public and private. So what you find really is that there are a number of different entry points. You can go in-house. So, you know, I've limited experience of that. In fact, joining Hayes is the first time that I've worked in-house, but I very much wanted to see how sustainability delivery works, if you like, on the shop floor. You can go into an individual business in-house as a technical specialist. So, for example, environmental managers work to operationalise, say, a net zero 
or carbon reduction strategy, working at the building or facility level with landlords to actually reduce emissions. Um, or you might have ESG analysts um, who work for a large financial firm to help analyse and inform investment decision making. So there are a number of pathways for going in-house to an organisation. There's also the opportunity to work in the advisory sector or as better uh, referred to consultancies. So that could be anything from you know, one of the big four, like PwC, EY, for example, or it could be specialist sustainability consultancies, you know, whether that's Anthesis, who I work for, South Pole, um, or any number of other organisations. And that's about designing and delivering on specific uh, strategies that you develop for your clients. There's also an interesting area around contractors and outsourced areas. Um, so, for example, uh, with Balfour BT, they need to employ solar installers and, you know, equally civil and process engineers who are working on aspects of green buildings design. So this is a sort of growing field, rapidly growing field, uh, one that Hayes is, is looking to work with uh, more directly. And then we also have third party and public sector organisations. So local authorities have been doing a lot of work to develop their own net zero carbon plans and now looking at actually how they activate those plans and what they need to put into practice on the ground. So I think maybe just some examples of some of the placements that we've made recently at Hayes um, would be useful to illustrate this point. We've appointed a head of sustainability for Hogan Lovells, which is a top 10 global law firm. We've also uh, recruited an energy manager for Ison Foods, so one of those technical specialists. We look more broadly at appointing a sustainability manager to the University of Wolverhampton. And then uh, we've also looked at, you know, a flood risk hydrologist for RPS because sustainability, you know, crosses very many different environmental, social and governance needs. So that's just a, a sample of the types of uh, roles out there. And I think it's just also important to say that, you know, based on the wide range of individuals I've worked with, I'd say across the board with no exception, they tend to be very passionate about the subject, also fairly collegiate in approach, wanting to collaborate to come up with solutions because this is about evolving needs. It's a fast and, and rapidly changing area with lots of kind of policy shifts that businesses need to respond to rapidly. So it also requires that creative thinking and I think most importantly, individuals who are keen to make a lasting impact. Thanks, Fiona. You know, it's great to hear examples, you know, of the various roles that are out there. And as, as you noted, the, 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 you know, there are different areas, sectors and, and roles that, that you can focus on. Uh, but for anyone that's listening that might be interested in this field, you know, are there any consistent uh, key skills uh, and experience that, that someone in this sector would need? Yes, I think traditionally, when we think of kind of environmental management, we think of individuals with deep subject matter expertise, technical expertise, you know, things traditionally like looking at a contaminated land or flood risk or otherwise. But that really has broadened out in particular over the last 10 or so years. And there are plenty of roles where 
you know, you need that ability to assimilate that technical information, but you don't necessarily need to be the technical expert. So it's about applying the insights from your assessments and finding a practical uh, way of taking action. So I think there's sort of probably four key areas for me. One is demonstrating a natural curiosity, a willingness to learn on the job and hunger for continuing professional development, whether that's through formal channels or informal channels. Certainly demonstrating initiative, uh, being willing to actively problem solve, to think creatively about the types of solutions that are appropriate uh, for your organisation or the organisation or client that you're working with. As I say, uh, it's good to have some technical skills where you've got a good grasp of Excel, Power BI, etc., um, or the ability to interpret the results and outputs from such analysis because there is a fair amount of data collection and crunching required in the world of sustainability, given that you're often needing to not just set targets, but then measure the progress of an organisation working towards those targets. And also the ability then to uh, make recommendations on the actions that organisations should undertake. Uh, but those are skills that you can you know, acquire in the role. I don't think you necessarily need to come into the role with those skills. It's this kind of willingness to show initiative, be curious and learn on the job. And linked to that, obviously, then is, you know, being people orientated, both in terms of having that ability to work with colleagues within the organisation. But I think also recognising that there is a risk that people in sustainability speak into an echo chamber. So, you know, you do need the skills and willingness to engage people who might not necessarily share your views, maybe more sceptical, or may just simply not have the baseline knowledge and therefore time and investment needs to be made to upskill and educate those individuals over time. Great, thank you. I mean, the, the green economy is is grown in, you know, in important and and in size, which is great to see. But where do you see sustainability specialists fitting into the the wider green economy? Yeah, so this is an interesting area because I don't think you necessarily need to be a sustainability specialist per se to contribute to greening the economy. You know, these individuals that we, you know, the, many of the examples that I've just given around um, sort of in-house sustainability um, specialists are a small part of a much bigger universe. So most of the actual implementation around sustainability impacts on people that wouldn't necessarily consider their role to be in sustainability. So an example that I really like is around green design. So what we mean by this is that, you know, the whole time products are being designed, redesigned, finessed. And increasingly, what you're seeing is that those design teams are looking at and analysing how a product is not only made, but the full life cycle of that product. So how it's going to be used and how it's going to be disposed of and whether there are actually opportunities there for improving the recyclability, upcycling 
of the product when it reaches the end of its life. So a good example is Jaguar, you know, who've taken a whole approach to getting their product design teams to actually think about not just how you assemble that product and the durability of their vehicles, but how they can actually be taken apart at the end of their life and all of the components recycled in some shape or form, whether it's the metal, the plastic, the content of the batteries and otherwise. So that's a really good example where you might not initially be thinking that you're going into an industry with a view to uh, contributing to sustainability, but it is actually embedded within the role. We also see this with respect to construction, you know, where builders and architects are working to retrofit existing buildings to optimise the energy efficiency, the water consumption. All of that is leading to ensuring that those buildings are more sustainable. But it's not necessarily seen that it's a sustainability specialist that is required for that uh, role. It extends to things like solar panel installers, manufacturing personnel and others working um, across industries as well. So I think, you know, it's just important to remind ourselves that, as I say, you don't need to have this prior experience. It may be that your skills are actually applicable to the green economy sector without you necessarily having had to train in a sustainability specialism. Great. Thank you so much. And what job hunting tips would you give to someone either at the start of their working life or, you know, someone who is looking to transition into a sustainability role? I think first and foremost, you know, think about your passions, your interests and align with these. You know, what are you motivated by? Is it is it people? Is it our environment? Those are the sort of most important considerations, particularly as I alluded to earlier that a lot of people in this sector uh, really want to generate an impact. I think also it's important to not expect your first job to be the perfect fit, but you know, give it a go nevertheless. We saw that in the earlier example uh, talking about Octopus Ventures. And I think you know, look for opportunities within the organisations you're working for. Think about your transferable skills and you know give it a go because working on um, any aspects of of sustainability as i say is a, is very much about kind of learning on the job thinking creatively it's not an easy process to transition a career so you may also want to consider which courses or professional bodies you can join to learn from and i would also say you know crucially network 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 just talk to people about the types of roles that they're doing, about the experiences that they've had within those roles, what they've learned, what they've drawn on, who they follow. I think there's a lot to be gained just by building uh, that external network of individuals. And LinkedIn, you know, is as good a platform as sort of attending um, local events in person. So there are lots of different kind of forums for that networking. Great. And and um, what do you think the coming trends or hot topics in, in sustainability? So, as I said, there's a lot going on. There's constant sort of policy developments that we need to keep up with. A lot of frameworks and standards that businesses are now expected to adhere to, albeit 
largely on a voluntary base. A lot of that is going to be mandated by individual governments. Um, there's a lot of work in the EU at the moment, but there's also formations of new standards boards um, who are looking at consolidating the reporting requirements for businesses. But that does mean that, you know, there's going to be a constant need for more professionals in this sector to support businesses to disclose on their activities. I think it's also key for us to recognise that there's a need to collaborate with a range of partners in order to develop the solutions to these very significant sustainability challenges. So, you know, giving considerations to businesses not just working in isolation, either working with peers or cross industry, or even looking to other groups, you know, whether that's your the local authority, the district that you work within, looking at community groups with whom you can collaborate, not-for-profits, academic organisations, to come together to try and find some of the solutions to these, these big challenges. We're also seeing an increased focus on looking at how you measure the impacts that an organisation has on society. That's another fast evolving area. It's often caged in terms of measuring your social value, your social responsibility, links back to really your licence to operate within a community or across communities as a business. And I think we're going to see a big push there um, to actually measure your impact um, and the outcomes of your activities rather than simply stating how many people are involved in delivering community projects annually? You know, what, what is the wider value that's being generated for society or the natural world as a whole? And, you know, the S uh, is, is also uh, growing with respect to looking at the labour and workforce itself to understand how we can better support um, those areas. So when you hear about ES and G, been a lot of focus on the environment traditionally, but the uh, social element is really now coming to the fore with a lot of initiatives um, pushing for better disclosure and transparency on the actions that businesses are taking. And then I think, you know, that the, there's a final element really, which is that, you know, we need to sort of consider the next big global issue. You know, there's a lot of work on climate change and carbon reduction for obvious reasons. There's been a strong emphasis on equity, diversity and inclusion, but we also see topics now starting to really emerge around things like water security, which has that direct correlation to climate change. But I think, you know, we have to continue to retain an international outlook to understand how these challenges can be addressed collectively. So, yeah. Those are those are some of the sort of emerging trends. But as I say, it almost sort of changes uh, week by week and, and the World Economic Forum with their annual disclosure on, on global risks is a really good place to look to understand how that emphasis is is changing from year to year. We know um, firsthand from job candidates that ESG and sustainability are becoming increasingly important to job seekers. And it's often a uh, key consideration for many when, when they're looking at potential employers. So do you have any tips on how professionals can assess an organisation's commitment in, in this area? 
I would suggest that, you know, probably one of the best starting points is just have a look at their website, you know, see what they're actually disclosing within their website around their commitments and also importantly, their actions. So what action have they undertaken? And is that reported through a dedicated sustainability report or a impact report? Is it integrated within their annual report? What information is actually available to you through that platform? It's also good to actually understand how a business ranks against their peers or an organisation. So, um, you know, the World Benchmarking Alliance produces a number of different platforms like the corporate human rights benchmark. They've just released another recently on the financial sector and are working on a biodiversity benchmark as well. So those give you useful insights in terms of the governance within a business, the management actions they're undertaking, the work they're doing with their employees, and also those wider commitments to the broader stakeholder uh, base. I think there's some interesting platforms like Climate 100 that you can look at, which again, you know, lists uh, companies that um, the broader community uh, is looking or monitoring for their action on climate change and looking at how quickly they are responding to those external requirements is another good measure um, of the degree to which they are taking sustainability topics uh, seriously. But I think really most critically, John, the, the, the key point here is to ask to talk to other employees within the organisation and get a sense from them around what the business is doing, how committed it is, how engaged the employees are, what the opportunities for involvement are and how this is really shaping and contributing to the overall uh, future direction of the company itself. I think that's really the, you know, we're doing so much remotely now that I still think there's a real role to ask to, you know, make a visit to the organisation if you are serious about accepting a role in order to really sort of get a sense and feel um, for what, what they are doing. So, yeah, talking talking to other employees um, for me would be probably the, the number one uh, tip there. Great advice. And I'll, I'll finish now with our regular closing question, which is to do with advice. If you had one piece of advice to, to help our listeners navigate their careers, what would that be? And if that is related to sustainability, even better. So for me, it's network, network, network. You know, that is the way that you're going to understand what types of skills are needed in the market. It gives you the opportunity to understand what platforms there are for continuous development and learning. And it also, crucially, enables you to build relationships with individuals working within the sector. Sustainability is still, an ESG is still a, a relatively small space. So, you, you know, you come across the same people who are moving into different roles and kind of moving around the sector. But it's also a very kind of, as I say, collegiate environment. So people are always willing to make referrals um, or to provide you advice with advice on either career options 
opportunities that they're coming across um, or just to share their general knowledge um, as you work to try and tackle some of these solutions. So for me, that's, you know, that's probably a, a, a good starting point. I've had people, you know, reaching out to me through LinkedIn, just saying, you know, could you give me 15 minutes of your time? You know, I've got a, I'm working within the procurement team within the organisation, but I know that we need to do something around looking at um, the security of our supply chains, um, looking at the type of labour that's involved. And, um, you know, I really want to take this on as a role and develop the responsible sourcing programme. You know, how do I go about that? And so, you know, I think you'll find that really people in the industry are willing to share their experience and their knowledge and as I say kind of make these referrals so I think you know that piece on networking is is central. Brilliant thank you so much Fiona it's, you know, it's been great to hear about all areas of uh, sustainability the various roles available what key skills are needed and you know what the hot trends are and uh, and you know what what a route into the field might look like as well it's uh, it's it's been a very very interesting conversation i've no doubt our listeners you know will will find it interesting and and, and helpful as well thank you very much john thank you for listening to this episode of the hayes worldwide careers advice podcast if you have found this advice useful please do leave us a review on apple podcasts at the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, feel free to reach out to us via email at socialmedia at haze.com.